Hey everybody, and welcome to Rabbit Ramblings Podcast 92. I couldn't think of much to talk about with gaming, because I still have the same stuff I had before, nothing new. So I thought of something a little bit different to do. So hopefully you will enjoy rambling about five groups of things, of five things each. Not necessarily in a numerical order. Hopefully you enjoy the show. So my first group of five things is very game related because it is the top five games that I am looking forward to. It is, of course, not all of the games releasing in 2013, but it's the ones that probably have, you know, the most sort of noise. And of course, you know, with some of these, there is no guarantee they will actually launch in 2013. But, you know, hopefully with most of the rest of the year left, they probably will. These are not necessarily in any kind of order, though I have a feeling they might sort of be in terms of where they will place in the year. So the first one, launching in just a few weeks, is Dead Space 3. If you have not played the first two, you can pick them up pretty cheap. I think it was sometime around maybe a year to a year and a half ago that I picked up Dead Space 1 and 2 on sale together, and I think that was like 20 bucks. So now, you know, I expect they're probably 20 bucks for both of them probably all the time. And if you have a rental store that rents games or an online service, you might be able to get them on console. They're worth playing through, though from what I recall, the first one does have some stuff that's a little bit frustrating in terms of user control. They fix a lot of those issues with the second one. Though the second one, I do recall, was a little bit strange in terms of the inventory because they added some stats to the items, and the stats were kind of unclear as to which was better. Hopefully that will be cleared up a bit for the third one. But if you have not played the Dead Space series, it's basically that you are an engineer, and you're sort of part of a crew, and you are investigating a mystery. And of course, you know, throughout the game, you wind up being alone pretty much all the time, doing either special tasks or, you know, everybody else is dead. The games will take place on parts of spaceships or parts of star bases or parts of outposts. And usually, you know, the atmosphere is very creepy and you'll find some gear that aren't always weapons. Sometimes they can be used as weapons. And you're basically trying to survive and get things done and solve the mystery of what is going on. Or, in some cases, you know, what has gone on. If you were ever into any of the Alien movies, you know, the whole series of Alien movies, I would highly recommend you play the Dead Space series because it's pretty much the closest video game I've played to having that sort of movie-like experience. And if you are into sci-fi and scary, some horror, but more scary than, you know, gore-type horror, I would highly recommend it. The next game in 2013 I am looking forward to is Bioshock Infinite which off the top of my head is due sometime, I think, in March, just about two months from now, if it actually makes that date. 
its date has been bounced around quite a bit. So don't quote me on that one. The previous Bioshock games have all taken place sort of in an underwater city. This one is going to be a bit different in that it will be way up in the sky. And from what they've shown, it sort of looks like they are going between different sort of larger airships and sort of a floating city in the sky. And the Bioshock games are pretty much first-person shooters, but you have sort of crazy genetically enhanced powers that you can use. So if you are into shooters with cool powers, I would highly recommend it. The story in the Bioshock games are also very good. Very deep stories that drive, you know, why you are going where you're going or what you're doing. So the story is also very cool. The next game I'm looking forward to, which doesn't actually have a launch date, it was actually originally supposed to launch last year, is Neverwinter. Which I'm still not 100% totally clear, but I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be free to download and free to play. So if you are into MMOGs, and specifically into Dungeons & Dragons, that will be one to look forward to. It is based on a variant of 4th edition. Of course, you know, it's not going to be terribly close because it is an action combat MMOG style game versus, you know, pen and paper game. One of the things that makes it really cool is that it has player-generated content. I'm sure, you know, it won't be instant. I'm sure there will be some kind of approval process it has to go through. But there's a dungeon creation tool, and you can make your own runs for your friends or your guildies or, you know, just anybody who wants to play them. They have shown demo videos of how to make a dungeon and set up specific bad guys, you know, have some that are named and, you know, important to the story. And it took them, like, I don't know, 15 minutes, I think, for a quest. They didn't actually show, you know, playing through the quest, but it was kind of implied that it would take maybe, you know, half an hour or an hour to complete that quest, you know, if you actually played through it. They have said it is entirely possible to play, you know, your entire playtime just on player-generated content. It won't be, you know, required to go through the developer-generated content. So that's very cool and fun. And it seems like there is a lot of potential for, you know, sort of interaction between the community with, you know, each other in a sort of, you know, old school pen and paper. Here's this game I created. You want to check it out. It's pretty fun kind of way. They haven't really talked about how they're going to generate money. Of course, they will have to generate some kind of money. But I think pretty much, you know, the standard thing will be that there will be, you know, in-game stuff you can buy. There will all be, you know, convenience item kind of stuff. You know, maybe larger bank space or maybe, I don't know, extra character slots or maybe you can buy some fancy hats or something that have no stats. I don't know. Nothing has been said on it. They're probably going to wait and, you know, get the bulk of the game done before they worry about that. So we will find out more about that in the future. One curious thing for those who are familiar with D&D is that the four classes they are launching with have been announced. And there is no healing class. There's no cleric. There's no druid. There's nobody that, you know, regenerates hit points. So I don't know if it's intentional that they're going to avoid healing. Maybe they're having, you know, difficulty melding healing with their action combat style. And they just said, well, you know, we'll we'll deal with it later. I don't know. I don't know the reason for it. It does seem very odd. So I'm going to guess it will be sort of a very tense you know, sort of single death style where you really want to avoid dying. And being, you know, core D&D, in theory, if you die, 
you know, you should have a pretty harsh penalty. So I'm looking forward to finding more about that. They've kept a lot of these kind of questions unanswered. So a lot of, you know, how do they handle death? Why are there no healers? You know, questions like this are going unanswered right now. Hopefully they'll get into beta and we'll see, um, you know, some answers soon. I'm hoping they're going to launch, you know, around Bunny Day in April, since they were supposed to launch last year. But like I said, since there is so much, you know, unknown about the game, I'm kind of suspicious that it might be, you know, pushed into maybe the second half of this year. But I guess we'll see. The next thing I'm looking forward to, which I don't actually know a date for, I saw a reference that it was supposed to come out this year, but I don't know if it has an actual date yet. And that is Star Wars 1313. Star Wars 1313 is a sort of third-person shooter, I guess you could call it. You you use cover and duck around and, you know, shoot people in the face. And it is based in the Star Wars universe. If I recall from what little has been shown about it, you're sort of a bounty hunter's assistant. I have a feeling throughout the game, you know, your main bounty hunter guy will probably get killed and you'll probably take over. But, you know, you're not playing a Jedi. You're playing just, you know, a regular guy. I don't think you're going to be fighting Jedi, but it wouldn't surprise me, you know, if one made an appearance. But they are trying to go for something what they are calling as a grittier, darker feel for Star Wars. And I think they are pulling more from expanded universe stuff than stuff we have seen in the movies. I certainly don't recall hearing anything about level 1313 in, you know, the movie lore. But if you are into shooter games and you are into Star Wars even a little bit, you might want to keep an eye on it. Hasn't been a whole lot of news out about it yet. Mostly just, woo, check it out, it's so cool you know, announcement kind of trailers. But I'm sure we'll get to know more as we approach launch, which, like I said, hopefully will be this year. I saw something that referenced it as this year. So I think that's probably right, because, you know, 1313, launching in 2013, that would, you know, have a kind of symmetry to it. The last thing I'm looking forward to in 2013, which hopefully will launch in 2013, is a game called Defiance. It's supposed to have a tie-in to a show on the Sci-Fi channel. There's not really a whole lot of information about it other than it is, I think, a third-person shooter that is an MMOG. So it's a persistent online thing. There's supposed to be a lot of character customization options. And as the game and the show, you know, go forward in the future and change... Apparently, events in both will affect each other. So, if they actually pull this off, this would be the first time, you know, sort of interaction between the gaming community in a game will have an impact on, you know, some other media, in this case, a TV show, and vice versa. There really isn't any real information out about it. It's mostly just kind of teaser stuff. Hey, we're working on this. We don't know anything about, you know, are there going to be classes and how do skills work? At least not that I've seen. You know, the information might be out there and kind of hidden somewhere and I just haven't seen it yet. Certainly not a whole lot of buzz about it in the news. But hopefully, you know, like everything else, as we get closer to launch, there will be more information about it. And we'll know, you know, when it's going to launch and know more stuff about how it works. So I guess that is it for my top five games I'm looking forward to in 2013. Probably mostly stuff you knew about. And of course, I will have links to information stuff at my site. 
if you want to learn more about them. Far My next top 5 list is top 5 non-video games that I would like to play. The one I would like to play most, and I think I would possibly be the GM of, because, you know, that's typically what I do, would be to play D&D, or some other D20 system. You know, not necessarily D&D. Could be a Call of Cthulhu type adventure, or maybe something in like a space type more futuristic type setting. It doesn't have to be pure fantasy D&D. But it's been, you know, a very long time since I've done a pen and paper game. And I really kind of like the D20 system. Back in the day when I was into a lot of pen and paper gaming, I would make my own. Kind of because back then I wasn't really all that in love with the D20 system. It had sort of a lot of shortcomings, I thought. And so I had my own systems that I generated because... The competing systems, you know, also had their own flaws. But now I think with 4th edition, at least, I don't know about 5th edition, but 4th edition has, you know, pretty much everything I need, and so it would be pretty easy to do that. And of course, you know, being something that is actually published instead of something I made, you know, it's far more balanced. Not that the stuff that I made was horribly imbalanced, but, you know, every now and then your players will throw something crazy at you and you'll be like, what the crap are you doing? Now everything's messed up. Thanks a lot. The second game that is not a video game I think I would like to play very much would be Small World. Small World is a board game that you can play with multiple people. It was featured on Will Wheaton's tabletop, so you can check that out. That would probably be the (laughs) easiest way to see it in action. I'd never actually seen it or heard of it before his show, but it looks pretty cool. You pick a race of people, and there are random abilities that tack onto them so you get a combination of a race and you know special sort of thing so you have two sort of ability things that you can do and you're basically trying to take over a map and you know various things will stop you from getting into a square or different things will happen that make it tougher for your race and maybe you want to change race or maybe you know your race gets beaten and they die out but it looks like a very cool sort of combination of board game and strategy that I would be into. And, you know, if I lived in a home and had some friends, I would very much like to play it, I think. The next thing I would like to play is sort of in connection to the first thing, and that is Gamma World. Gamma World back in the day was sort of a variant of D&D. It's sort of in the future, and it's like a post-apocalyptic thing. So there's all kind of crazy science fiction stuff going on. I don't know too much about the remake slash current version, but I hear it's sort of targeting a more casual role-playing audience, and it sort of comes in a box, and it's kind of a one-shot adventure deal. So if you had some people that were into role-playing, and you had just like one or two nights that you wanted to play something, you could grab Gamma World, and there is 
fast slash random character generation. And I think it's sort of designed to be played, you know, as a more board game type of role-playing game. And they are supposed to basically go through a whole adventure in, you know, the space of a few hours slash one night. And it seemed like a lot of fun for those times where you don't have a group that can commit to, you know, several hours, you know, here and there to have a full campaign of something. You know, maybe something like that could be very cool and fun. The next game I would like to get to have to play with friends would be Dominion. Dominion is kind of hard to describe. Only one person needs to get the game, but it is basically a bunch of little tiny sets of cards. And when you set up the game, you will have sort of a a chart slash randomizer things that says, get this and this and this and this and this and this and this. And you wind up with a bunch of different sort of small decks, which everyone can see, and they are the same thing. And each thing has either a special ability or special function. And the point of the game is to sort of buy up these victory points. So it gets very strategic in, you know, which cards do you want to buy that will help you gain victory points? And then, you know, do you want to get victory points straight out? Or do you want to buy, you know, other stuff? It's kind of hard to describe without actually seeing somebody play it. It is kind of very easy to understand and pick up. But there's a lot of subtlety in terms of, you know, which sort of combination of, you know, special cards you want to get to accomplish this thing or that thing that gives you, you know, extra bonus for this or that and then, you know, get more victory points. So it seems like a very cool strategy card game, which, you know, only one person needs, you know, the main box, as it were. There are, like, expansions and stuff you can get for it, but... Unlike other card games, it is not completely random and people don't need their own decks. So it's very cool in that you just, you know, pick it up and set it up and then you can play. But, you know, due to the randomization, it should be different every time. And last game I would like to have to play with friends would be Munchkin. Munchkin is basically a card game where you are trying to get your character to level 10. There are different cards And the different cards can be, you know, equipment that they wear that gives them bonuses or sort of one-time use items that will give them bonuses. And you're fighting monsters and getting treasure. And it's very cool. There are a lot of expansions for it. And there are actually lots of different sort of themed types that work as settings. Like the basic set, you know, the very first one that came out is sort of a fantasy setting. And then the ones that seem most interesting to me that I have heard of is a Cthulhu setting, there's a space setting, and there's a superhero setting. And these are all designed to sort of work together, so you could actually mix them up. You could, if you wanted, do something like sort of maybe a Gaslight Cthulhu and mix up, you know, the basic medieval set with Cthulhu. Or you could have sort of a crazy modern thing and mix Cthulhu with the superhero one. Or you could make a firefly type setting and mix the western set with the space set then you've got you know space stuff and cowboys with laser guns and that sort of stuff so there's a potential for very cool mixes but you know it's just this fun little card game where you're trying to help your friends sometimes and trying to mess with them and other times so that you know they don't win and you do win and it's just you know silly fun 
And it's, you know, something to play and pass some time and have fun with your friends. So that is it for the top five not video games that I would like to have to play, you know, with friends or, you know, if I were in a home, you know, and had friends that could come over and play stuff. Those are, I think, the first things I would play. This section and the next section are a little bit tougher for me to figure out because I'm going off of basically entirely memory, and they are sort of connected. This section would be the top five movies I would recommend from my collection, which doesn't make a lot of sense to you because you don't know what movies I have. I have like a lot. I have like, I don't know, I would guess like 100 to maybe 125. These are sort of in no particular order. The top one I would recommend for science fiction and sort of being, you know, a serious movie would be the new Star Trek film. If you are into Star Trek at all, I think it is pretty awesome. It is a very cool restart of the original classic series. And I think they did a really, really good job of retaining the old school classic feel, especially of all of the characters. You know, they have their mannerisms and their sayings down. And yet they've added sort of a bunch of new school elements that make it sort of way more awesome and probably closer to what it would really be like to be in a, you know, large spaceship like that. The story is pretty amazing, but it does kind of mess up the timeline in that, you know, it does restart the series. But in a way, it actually kind of makes sense from a sort of series standpoint because they're taking the old school classic Star Trek crew but they're going to be telling probably very similar stories in a new way. So altering the original timeline and, you know, shifting them over to a new universe kind of makes a lot of sense. And I am very much looking forward to the second movie, which is due out, I think, in May. So just a few months from now. I still don't know why it took them so long. I am very happy the new one is in 3D, though. I always thought the original one should have been in 3D, and I never understood why they didn't. So, that will be awesome. The next movie I would recommend is sort of a cheat, because it is actually, you know, a series of movies. And that is Kung Fu Panda. Kung Fu Panda is hilarious and a lot of fun. And it's got, actually, a really good story about the character. And, you know, depending on which movie, it will involve different characters in different ways. But they're always, you know, very good stories about the character. And, you know, sort of development and growth of you know, a particular character or several characters. I would highly recommend the first and second movies. There are a couple of sort of add-on things they've done. There's The Secrets of the Furious Five, I think it's called. It's okay. It gives a lot of backstory to the other characters that are not Poe, but it's not done in the 3D computer animation style that the original movies were done in. It's mostly done in sort of a 2D flat animation style. And it's not that the animation is terrible. It's actually pretty good and and it's actually really good in some parts. But it's like, it it just feels kind of off. 
because it should be in the 3D animated style, even though, you know, it's sort of taking place in the past, and historically, the Kung Fu Panda movies have set up that, you know, anything that's in the past or is sort of a flashback kind of thing is that animated style. But I don't know, it just felt kind of off, didn't quite feel right. There is, I think, a holiday special that just recently came out. That one is a lot of fun, and I really liked it, and that one is actually the 3D computer animated style. So that one fits right into the universe, I think. I think it is a little bit shorter than the actual Kung Fu Panda movies, but, you know, it's worth it. It's worth picking up, I think. It's pretty cheap. But if you are into sort of comedy and I guess you could say there's some action in it, though, you know, it's animated action, and a lot of good character story, you should check out the Kung Fu Panda movies. Following the comedy line, my favorite romantic comedy is Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Not at all anything to do with gaming, but, you know, it's my favorite romantic comedy. And it's basically about a guy who gets, you know, broken up with and he's heartbroken and he decides to just, you know, take a trip and sort of get away from it all. But, oh my god, what the crap. His ex is vacationing at the same spot he is at. Hilarity ensues. That's a good story, you know, about losing love and dealing with that and then, you know, finding new love. And it is pretty hilarious. I like it a lot. It's probably my all-time favorite romantic comedy. I actually have a bunch of romantic comedies because that's how I roll. But I would say of all of them, Forgetting Sarah Marshall is definitely the one I would say you absolutely must watch from my collection. If you have not seen, you know, any of them, that would be the one I'd say, you know, this one you absolutely must see. Also in science fiction slash action slash obscure category. I talked about it quite a bit a few podcasts ago. It would be Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow. Not much to say about it here because I had like a whole big section on it before. So yeah, again, check that out. I would highly recommend it. And in the musical category, of which I only have three, I would highly recommend Dr. Horrible's Sing Along blog. It's basically a story about a guy trying to be a supervillain. And without saying any spoilers about what it is about, I would just say it brings into question the sort of perception of what is a hero and what is a villain. And you know, what do those labels actually mean? Once upon a time, I wanted to teach college level classes, probably junior college, because I don't know, I think it's more fun there. And I thought if I ever taught sort of a moral and ethics class, I would probably open with Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog. So again, um, kind of hard to talk about without doing any spoilers. It's like really short. It's only like 45 minutes long because it was originally done as a web series and it has three parts and each one is like 15 minutes or so. And they launched, you know, on the web and then like a week later they'd launch the next part. So it's pretty short, but I think it's really good. It is, you know, sort of lower quality in terms of, you know, how much money they spent because they just kind of shot locally and did it sort of, you know, for the free, as it were. So, you know, it's not a huge budget picture kind of thing. And there's, you know, only like four characters in the whole thing, and one of them is sort of a side character. But it's very worth watching. And that is it for my top five recommended movies in my collection. Take my love, take my land, take me where I cannot stand. I don't care, I'm still free. 
The next top five I would recommend are the top five TV series. This is pretty much the only one that has an actual number one. And I'll say it first because it doesn't really matter. And you may have guessed it by the intro music. And that would be Firefly. Firefly is the best Goram sci-fi show in the verse. It only got one season, so that's pretty sad. It got one movie. And in theory, it was supposed to get other movies, but... That never really panned out, and so far the one movie is really the only continuation of the series. I believe Dark Horse Comics is running a comic series which takes place after the show. I'm not sure. I've never looked up the comic series. There are also a few books about different characters in the Firefly universe, which expand the story of, you know, the crew of the Serenity. Basically, it is in a sort of... Old West style universe that has a high end sort of sci fi aspect to it as you get nearer to the core worlds, I guess you could say. And the outer worlds are sort of, you know, being terraformed and so they're lower technology and, like I said, sort of cowboyish era type stuff. The crew of the Serenity is trying to get by as best they can, picking up different jobs. Many of the jobs are of questionable legality, some of them outright illegal, but they are never, I guess you could say, immoral or unethical. And so the show is very interesting in that, you know, it sort of touches on that border of what is or is not, you know, moral or ethical and which jobs will they do and which jobs will they do and why. And it is a very cool sci-fi slash western show. I would highly recommend it to any science fiction fan. And you can find it pretty easily at any sort of rental place or place you buy, you know, collected series from. It is still very popular, though it is not, you know, popular in the sense of getting money and funding for continuing the show. I believe there is one channel that is still showing it currently. I'm not sure they may have stopped showing it. But you can pretty easily find it, and it's very definitely worth watching. The next series I would highly recommend is Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles. It takes place in the Terminator universe, as it were, and it sort of follows what happens to Sarah Connor and John Connor when John Connor is in, I believe, his sort of late-ish teens. He is still trying to get through high school in much of the show, though, you know, because of the dangers, he's often not in high school in there, trying to teach him stuff at home. If you are a fan of the Terminator movies, I would say it is very definitely worth watching. In my opinion, it is actually better than all of the movies. It gets quite a bit more in-depth into each of the characters because, you know, it's a TV series, so they have a lot more time to sort of develop the characters and have, you know, dialogue between characters. And during the two seasons, I believe it is, the various characters all kind of grow in different ways, and it is very interesting to see, you know, how Sarah Connor deals with, you know, trying to keep John alive, and how John deals with knowing, you know, no matter what happens, we keep running into the fact that I am, you know, John Connor, savior of the future, and there is Cameron, who is 
acting as his sister, who is a Terminator who he sent back from the future. So there's this good Terminator who is, you know, on the border between human and Terminator. And, you know, what is what and, you know, which way is she going and which way is the mom going. We also get introduced to an uncle who is the brother of Kyle Reese. He wasn't ever mentioned in the movies, I don't think, but he is a really good character. I like him a lot. He certainly adds quite a bit to the story. And in some of the parts of the series, we get to see a little bit of flash forward, I guess you could say, to the, you know, the time when he came from. And he adds a very interesting twist to, you know, sort of what's going on with the characters because he knows, you know, what happens in the future. And so, you know, he's meeting John when he's young instead of when he's older. And so it's all very, very interesting, I think. And if you are a fan of science fiction, and specifically the Terminator series, I would say it is definitely worth watching. Oh, I would give you this one warning, which isn't really a spoiler. But being a show on Fox, it was cancelled sort of prematurely. It doesn't end in a really bad spot, but it does end kind of abruptly, and you're like, oh man, I wish there was more. So, you know, right when it starts getting really good and really interesting, you know, it kind of ends. So, you know, do kind of keep in mind that, you know, the series does end. And, you know, it's not like bad place, but it's like, you know, there could have been a lot more they did with it. The next one I would recommend you pick up is Big Bang Theory, which is sort of related to gaming and that the guys on the show are pretty much gamers and geeks. The show does kind of change a lot as it goes on in seasons. For some of you, it might be very difficult to watch in the early seasons because the early seasons are sort of very scientific and jargon-slash-lingo-heavy. So a lot of the stuff is really confusing and you can't quite follow what's going on and you won't get a lot of the jokes. But basically, the show is about two scientist geeks who live together who have two friends that kind of hang out with them all the time. And they have a new neighbor move in who is just, you know, a regular girl. And one of them pretty much falls in love with the regular girl. And so the series is all about, you know, the regular girl trying to, you know, understand the geeky guys and the geeky guys trying to be, you know, more cool and normal to regular life. And that is kind of reflected in, you know, the series as it moves on in time. As it goes on, they do become sort of more normal. I mean, they are still, you know, geeky and very stereotypical. But, you know, like I said, the the lingo and jargon of their scientific side kind of gets cut down a lot. There's not so much of that. And it's more just kind of, you know, regular life stuff. But I find it hilarious, and it's a lot of fun to watch. Next, I would recommend True Blood, which is currently on HBO, but I think they're in, like, season five or six now. So most of the series is out on, you know, Blu-ray for rental, or I suppose you can try and look for places that you can stream it. I don't know if, like, you know, Netflix has it for streaming. I think they do. I haven't looked for it because I actually own them on Blu-ray. I like the show a lot. It is about very sort of violent vampires, sort of more old school than not. More new school ones are kind of, oh, I'm so emo and I I don't want to kill anything. And True Blood kind of turns away from that quite a bit. I mean, yeah, Bill is trying to not kill things and be mainstreaming, as they say in the show. 
But, you know, most of it's, like, super violent and stuff. This kind of revolve around Suki a little bit too much sometimes. And I think as the seasons have gone on, they haven't quite been as awesome as they were in the start. I thought season one was completely, totally awesome. Half of season two seemed really kind of dumb. But then the other half of season two was, again, you know, really awesome. I kind of don't remember them specifically. But if you are into sort of, I guess you could say, fantasy horror kind of stuff, it is one I would recommend checking out. The last one is probably not going to be for everyone because it is a reality TV show. And a lot of people, you know, question how real it is and how much is scripted or fake. I like it a lot. It is Who Wants to Be a Superhero? Which was put on by Stan Lee. And it's about a group of people who are trying to be superheroes. And they will put them through various superhero test task things. They're like, you know, accomplish this task. But then, you know, over the course of the seasons, there are two seasons, they discover that the challenges aren't necessarily always what they seem to be. You know, they are being judged on how, you know, they react as a superhero and how they react, you know, as their character. So they're always being judged on more factors and often not judged on, you know, what they were told exactly to do to the letter. So I think it's pretty cool. I liked it a lot. I'm sad it only ever went the two seasons. There are like rumors that there was a third season in, I think, the UK that was done with kids. I have never actually seen it or seen any definitive proof of it. I don't think it would be quite as good with kids because then I think it might be, you know, a little too cheesy. And it's already, you know, pretty cheesy as it is, you know, people trying to be superheroes. But if you are into superheroes and or reality shows, you should definitely check it out. And that is all of my recommendations for my TV series. This last section is going to be the most difficult for me to talk about because it is sort of the furthest from my memory. And that is the top five rabbit dishes to cook pretty much for dinner. I did write up something on three of them for Epic Fail and I printed that. So I will pull in the recipe from there, maybe update it, see if I missed anything. But it is more likely that, you know, in my description here, I will probably forget something. So, you know, check my site and pull the recipes down from there and they should be, you know, pretty detailed because I went through and made very, very sure that anybody who wanted could, you know, get the recipe there and cook them. But I will try to do my best to remember and describe them enough that, you know, people can replicate them who might be interested. And they really have, you know, nothing to do with gaming. But, you know, they're things I like to cook and gamers got to eat. So there you go. The first one is something I call pepper strips. This is taking a piece of steak. Usually for two servings, I will get a piece of sort of medium priced steak, which is around $5. 
and then you'll need typically about three kind of bell peppers. You can mix up the colors if you want. Typically, I will do a green pepper, a red pepper, and there's one that's kind of an orange pepper, and they all have different flavors. And then you'll want to get a rice of some kind. If I recall, I usually do rice aroni, rice pilaf kind. And you will cook the rice, you know, according to the rice directions, that pretty much cooks on its own. But then what you do with the pepper strips is that you will cut the steak into thin strips. And you pretty much want to do this before you start cooking the rice because pretty much it will take the whole time to cook the rice and cook up the other stuff. If you spend your time, you know, cutting and cooking the rice, you'll, you'll not have enough time. It's a lot of cutting. So cut the steak into strips, you know, whatever size you like. I would guess that for me, I usually do kind of a long piece maybe. I would guess about three inches long and then maybe about an eighth of an inch thick and then you'll want to cut up all of the peppers and similarly I like to cut them into strips you know it's called pepper strips and then what you'll do is you will take the steak and sort of saute it I usually use just a little tiny bit of butter and mostly you know something to prevent it from sticking to the pan I usually use just like a little tiny bit of oil I forget at this point which is the good oil to use. There's one oil that's, you know, bad to use, got a lot of calories and stuff, and there's one that's, like, healthier for you. I usually use the healthier one. It's kind of expensive, though. I think it's olive oil, but don't quote me, because, you know, be sure to check which is the healthier one. And you'll want to cook up the meat up to a temperature that is, like, one rank below what you like. Like, I usually do medium rare. So you'll cook it to about, you know, just a hair past rare. And as you're cooking, you know, sprinkle a lot of pepper on there, black black pepper, you know, ground it up, put it all over the place. And put, you know, an extra heavy amount on because that is another aspect of the pepper in pepper strips. And then once it gets to that point, add some water into there. I would guess maybe about a cup of water. Just like barely enough to sort of cover the steak up so that it's, you know, submerged in water. And then you'll toss on all of the peppers that you cut into pieces on top of it and close the lid and then sort of let it simmer there on a very kind of low setting. And like I said, usually all of this will take about half an hour. It's been like a really long time since I cooked, so I do not remember exact times, unfortunately. Off the top of my head, I would say that usually this steak will take about 10 to 15 minutes. And then you'll want to put in the peppers. And it depends on, you know, how soft you like the peppers. I usually like them kind of warmed up but still snappy. And I think that's usually about 5 to 10 more minutes. And as the time goes on, you know, maybe every 2 or 3 minutes, you'll want to take the lid off and stir them around. So that way it soaks up you know, some of the steak juices and some of the pepper you put in. And you might want to add, you know, a little bit more sprinkle of pepper and then, you know, close up the lid again. And then when everything is ready, you put the rice on a plate or a bowl, if you prefer a bowl. And then put some of the, you know, pepper strips of the steak and the peppers on top of that. And depending on if you really like the juice or not, I kind of do. I will usually take a spoonful or two of the juice and then sort of, you know, sprinkle it over the top. And, you know, it'll, it'll drizzle down into the rice as well. And like I said, there is a 
recipe for the pepper strips on the site. So you can pull it off there in case I, you know, forgot anything or my crazy rambling didn't make as much sense as it should. The second thing I cook, which is probably one of the healthiest things I cook, is what I call citrus chicken. For this, you will need some chicken strips, usually, is what I use. But you can use anything that is skinless and boneless. And you'll need, typically, what I use is one orange and one lemon. And then some kind of rice, your choice. Again, I usually use, you know, rice roni. You know, it's easy. You got a little flavor in there and just kind of go, and it's easy to make. And then you'll probably want some kind of vegetables. I usually do, like, you know, frozen mixed vegetables. But you can do whatever kind of vegetables you like. There is nothing that is specific to this recipe. But what you do is you take half of the orange. I usually just cut it right in half and then into a quarter. And squeeze out all the juice onto a pan. And then take half of the lemon. Again, you know, I usually do it into quarters. And squeeze out the juice of the lemon onto the pan. And then you'll just cook the chicken with that there. It should have about, I would guess, one-eighth to not quite of a quarter inch of liquid for the chicken to sort of bubble around in. You know, it's going to cook on the bottom of the pan, but not quite always touch, you know, because some of the sauce will be there. And if you are super pro at it, you can time it so the... The orange juice and the lemon juice are kind of caramelized onto the chicken right at the end. Usually how you do that is you turn it up really high, but just for like a minute or so. It's kind of really, really difficult to caramelize it on there. More important is just, you know, to get the orange and lemon flavor into the chicken just a little bit. I will usually also put like just a sprinkle of pepper on top. And again, like with the pepper strips, you can take the lemon and orange juice. And put some over your rice if you like. And also too, you know, there's oftentimes leftover orange. I will usually just eat that on the side because it's yummy. And so that is my citrus chicken. And again, this one has a recipe, which I will link onto the site, which will probably make much more sense than my rambling. Another one I like to do is steak with sautéed mushrooms and onions and little red potatoes. You probably also want to do a vegetable, but I don't have any specific vegetable that goes with it so your choice this one you kind of need to know how to cook more than the rest of the recipes but what you do is you cook the steak kind of by itself with a little bit of butter and then in a different pan you cook quite a bit of butter it's not the most healthy recipe but then you will saute the mushrooms which means you let the butter sort of melt and then you cook the mushrooms on top of the butter and then when they're about I would guess halfway done, you take an onion and you slice it up and then you put parts of it on there. And it will, as it gets warmer, you know, sort of break apart into rings. And then when the sautéing is ready and the steak is ready, I will usually pull out the mushrooms and sort of some of the onions and put it on top of the steak. And then the butter and the sort of onion juice have mixed together in the pan there. And I'll usually pull that out and put it across the steak for flavor. If you have extra while it is cooking and sauteing, it's kind of a really careful balance you got to watch. You can, you know, pull some out and put it into the steak pan so that, you know, it cooks in with the steak while the steak is cooking. And red potatoes are pretty easy. You just boil some water and drop them in and, you know, they're done like 20 minutes later, I think. 
that is probably the fastest to cook one, but the most tricky because you have to be able to saute. And it's sort of, you know, a very fine balance of, you know, sauteing it just right or kind of missing it. It's always super yummy, though. You know, you don't have to stress over getting it perfect. And I believe this one also has a recipe for it. So on my site, again, you should be able to get the recipe for this one. Because I think these are the three that I had the recipe for. I am recording it now. Before I have sort of double-checked my recipe, I will do that tomorrow after, you know, I'm closing the podcast. So I don't know right now, but I'm pretty sure those are the three I have recipes for. The fourth one I like to do is kind of a lazy dish. It is a French dip sandwich with fries. It's pretty much you just need a French roll and then, you know, a little bit of steak or some kind of meat that is cut super thin. And then, you know, fries. You just stick those in the oven. Pretty easy. And again, you probably want some kind of vegetable, you know, not required to have a certain kind of vegetable. I usually just use mixed vegetables. These are just like carrots and peas and I think green beans kind of mix. But it's a pretty easy one. You just put a little bit of water into the pan, maybe a touch of butter and pepper for a little bit of flavor. And then you just kind of let the water boil and then drop in the meat. And it usually sears up and gets cooked pretty quick. I think if I recall, this one is like 5 to 10 minutes in the boiling solution before it's ready. And you don't need, you know, like a a lot of water, just enough that it covers the steak and it boils. You can even sometimes go, you know, half covering the steak if you are very diligent about, you know, flipping it over and keeping it from actually, you know, searing on the bottom. Because it's really kind of best if the steak is cooked, you know, in in a boiling sense, so that way it softens it up a little bit. Makes it easier for the sandwich. If you want to be extra fancy about the bread, you can sort of butter and toast it. I usually just do it plain because then, you know, you have the uh, juice and you, you know, dunk your sandwich in there. So, you know, I don't think the bread needs anything fancy done to it. So, you know, French dip sandwich, easy to do, pretty quick, pretty lazy because, you know, half of it's fries. You know, that's half of it except for, you know, the vegetables if you do a vegetable. Sometimes, you know, if you're doing it just for like lunch or you know, maybe a snack or something. You don't even really need vegetables because, you know, you're just doing a sandwich and fries. And the last one I like to do, which probably most people could handle, doesn't take a whole lot of cooking expertise, is rigatoni's with sausage and tomato sauce and garlic bread. And garlic bread, you can pick up at Safeway. It's usually like five or six bucks, I think. I haven't bought it, you know, probably almost five years. But again, that's kind of an easy one. You just toss it in the oven. I think it's like 10 minutes to cook that. And then, you know, you boil some water and you toss in some rigatonis. And then, you know, if you want, I like to do sausage. You just cook up the sausage, cut it into little pieces. And then, you know, toss that onto the top of your rigatonis before you put on the sauce. Or, you know, if you want to, you can put it in the sauce. And that'll mix up the flavor a little bit. But, you know, it's best not to keep that in the sauce if you don't use up all the sauce, I think. Because sometimes it kind of goes bad, you know, if you keep sauce with, you know, meaty bits in there. Not always the best. My tummy has always been super sensitive about that. I don't know about other people's tummies. But it has kind of a weird thing that, you know, tomato sauce actually has to be heated up to hot. If it's not heated up to hot, if it's just, you know, made to warm, my tummy just kind of goes, and I get like really bad cramps later in the nighttime. So, you know, I have to be really careful about that. But rigatoni's with sausage and tomato sauce is pretty yummy. 
It's pretty quick, pretty easy. Just have to watch out for what I call the red sauce rule, which is, you know, whenever you're working with red sauce, if you have anything of a light color that you are wearing, it will instantly jump up on there. So you got to always watch out for that. So hopefully these kind of make sense and I didn't go over them too quickly or skip any important things that will prevent you from cooking. Like I said, some of them will have recipes, which I know are pretty flushed out. And of course, you can always, you know, ask me via email or Facebook or I guess that's it, kind of email or Facebook. But, you know, you can always ask me to clarify something if you are interested. So I guess that is it for this very crazy five top five rabbit scramblings. Certainly out of the norm, but you know, if you like it, or if you like one particular section, or if maybe in the future you would like to see or know a specific top five, as it were, you know, maybe it could be a regular or semi-regular thing. And you know, you can let me know your thoughts on it. The cave should be out on Steam now. I don't know if I will pick it up. I saw kind of a bad review of it that said it was just kind of meh. So I think I might hold off on buying it and wait and see what reviews say in a few days. But it's out there. If you want it, you can check it out and pick it up. I don't think there's a demo, so you'd probably have to buy it outright. I think it's only like 10 bucks. You know, it's one of those indie kind of games. It did look like a lot of fun, and it looked kind of like, you know, it had a lot of potential for replayability because it was you know, sort of randomized pieces. But the review did say it was mostly a puzzle-based game, and the puzzles were kind of overly simple. So I don't know. I would probably recommend it with caution. But, you know, like I said, I have not played it myself, so I'm just going off of what I've seen on reviews so far, which is only one review. Maybe I'll talk about it next time. There is some very sad news about my podcast and iTunes. As I mentioned last time, it had lost its main page on iTunes. Looking at the iTunes on my hard drive, it looked like it had stopped counting them at 89. So somewhere around the 5th, it seems to have stopped counting, which is probably about when it dropped off the store. And as of yesterday, which was Wednesday for me, it has disappeared from the store entirely. You can't find anything for Rabbit's Ramblings, if you search, it just shows up as not on the U.S. store, and that's it. There's nothing. Nothing there anymore. So, for new listeners who are trying to find it, you currently can't find it on iTunes. You can sort of force iTunes to subscribe to it, I believe, and hopefully everybody who is currently subscribed will still get it. But if you open up iTunes and you click, I think it's File, and then Subscribe to Podcast, You can type in or copy and paste in the URL for the RSS feed, and then it should show up, you know, in your iTunes podcast area, and you should be able to subscribe from there. But like I said, searching the store doesn't reveal any results, so the only way to get it would be, 
I guess, if you're already subscribed, or to go to my site, you know, and check it out there. But, you know, that's really upsetting because, you know, anybody that's looking for me on iTunes now, you know, maybe a friend told them about it and they're all like, oh, go check it out on iTunes. You know, they're not going to find it. And, you know, they might forget, you know, what the name was pretty quickly or, you know, not think to look for it anywhere else. So I might be losing some listeners. Hopefully I can get it sorted out and figure out what's going on and why it stopped, you know, updating the iTunes page. Get it back on there. Like I said last time, though, so far their only answer is that I have to change the name, change the RSS, resubmit it, have iTunes approve it, have iTunes put it back on the store, and then, you know, change the name back and change the RSS back, you know, so people can find it again, which is just like, that's ridiculous. That's a huge major disruption in everybody that is already, you know, subscribed and stuff. So I really want to avoid doing that. So I don't know, you know, how long the iTunes outage will be. It could be a while. You know, if somebody from tech could respond, you know, it seems like they just need to, like, refresh it. And then, you know, bam, it should reappear on iTunes. I have no idea why it isn't or why it isn't updating its database for it. Because their support area is kind of... I don't know, questionable. It's really, really difficult to find anybody that can actually help me. So, could be a while before that is fixed. But, hopefully everybody had a good time. Hopefully everybody who is already subscribed can still pick it up. And hopefully everybody who is looking for it can, you know, find it at my site. And hopefully too, I will have something new and interesting and gamish to talk about next time. And hopefully this time, you know, wasn't too terrible or people actually might even like it. I don't know. Nobody ever talks to me. So hopefully I'll see everybody next time, I guess. Okay, thanks, bye. It's getting kind of hard to believe things are going to get better. I've been drowning too long to believe that the tide's going to turn. And I've been living too hard to believe things are going to get easier now I'm still trying to shake off the pain from the lessons I've learned And they have said, you know, it is entirely possible So it is so And so there's and this yeah. It does kind of revolve around sucker a little bit too much. Eh, scratch that. This here is Mushy Snuggle Bites, and this is Felicia's Sexo Pants. These fine-ass women's could stop that train for yous, but I'm going to need their badonkadonks first, and they got stole by the bandits a few days ago. Go get them! You have been listening to Rabbit's Ramblings. If you would like to see the show notes or feed the bunny by sending a donation, you can find the show website at www.rabbit.com slash podcast slash rabbitsramblings.html. If you would like to send me an email, you can do so at rabbit at rabbit.com. If you friend me, you can also post on Facebook at rabbit.com. You can follow me on Twitter and YouTube at rabbitdotcom. It's rabbit.com, but with not a period. 
When you type rabbit's ramblings, don't use the space, and be sure to put the number 1 in place of I whenever you type rabbit. Rabbit's Ramblings is copyright 2013 and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike license.